a cuppa and a good chinwag? The story has real-life stories to inspire and make you smile. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Through this next hour, I hope you can stick around. We are going to be talking about money. So whether you've got a little of it or you've got a lot of it, you will be encouraged and enlarged in our conversation. Our guest through this coming hour says most of us know that to lose weight, we simply eat less and exercise more. What sounds like common sense has become a billion-dollar weight loss industry. Well, he says the same principle applies to getting into shape financially as a matter of spending less than we earn and investing the rest. So why are we not all in great financial shape? Well, Darren Laudenbach is the author, presenter, speaker, trainer, ex-financial planner and company director. We're going to talk about some of the issues that he's raised in his brand new book called God's Money Matters, Biblical Keys to Financial Freedom and the Art of Mind Over Money. It's just been released with proceeds going to Compassion. And so what a pleasure it is to welcome back to 2020 Darren Laudenbach. Hello, Darren. Welcome. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me again. Well, Darren, let me just say congratulations. Uh, You're the founder of God's Money Matters, and this book that you have just released is entitled God's Money Matters, Biblical Keys to Financial Freedom and the Art of Mind Over Money. Uh, Let me just ask you before we get this conversation really into full swing, uh, the art of mind over money. Uh, This is a big challenge, isn't it? It is. It is. We, um, our human behaviours are quite a, a funny thing. We're we're a, a little bit predictable, but we're irrational. So we're a bit we're a bit strange, us humans. <laughs> okay. Well, we want to talk a little about this irrationality this morning, and invite listeners to join into our conversation. And uh, you might have your own thoughts. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. We'll take some calls a little earlier and you can help direct our conversation today. So uh, insights, thoughts, questions about money issues. And when you hear of those issues like biblical keys, financial freedom, the art of mind over money, uh, give us a call, 1-800-316-316. It is a special congratulations on the book, and you're using the book for a special reason too. Proceeds going to Compassion, one of your favourite charities, no doubt, Darren. Yes, yeah, certainly, Neil, it is. Compassion is something that I'm very passionate about. Um, I've had the blessing of being able to visit two of my Compassion children and um, over the years, and it's been a, an incredible blessing to us, and we just really love um, the work that Compassion do. And, um, yeah, we just love the fact that uh, we can spend a little bit of time writing letters and a little bit of our money supporting them and uh, brings a big opportunity to bring children into God's kingdom. And I've looked through the book, and as I run my eye down the table of contents, uh, you're covering a lot of very practical issues. We're going to talk about some of those today, and some of those uh, you've written about in a creative way. Is there a favourite part of this book for you, Darren? Is there something that, as you think of, you know, having written the book and uh, you've put down on paper some of this financial wisdom that you've gained uh, over now a number of decades, is there something special that uh, that really is outstanding for you? Well, I think uh, there's probably two things, Neil. There's probably the, the most significant thing I found in my career as a financial planner 
is um, uh, is the bank account structure is one of the most significant uh, things that we can do in um, getting our finances in order, which is kind of strange because it's one of the most simplest things we can do. And as a financial planner who's been highly trained over many years and um, you know spent hours and hours on education, uh, we come back to some of the very basic things. Um, so that's one thing. And I think the other the other side to it is. Um, where I see uh, people who have put their faith in God and start um, running their money as if it's God's and they're just a steward of it, um, just the blessings that those people see. And that's been really exciting to see over the years. Okay, well, there's great wisdom in just raising those couple of points. Why don't we start with those? Why don't we talk about personal and family bank accounts and uh, you might be able to shed some wisdom on whether this is the same for people who are in business or partnerships or however they're managing finances. But we'll keep the focus on uh, personal and family finances. So bank accounts, what's the biggest problem that you have come across over the years in such a, a long association with this? Uh, where, where do we mostly go wrong with our bank accounts? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, what I think most people focus on is the mathematics and so they go for mathematics over um, over practicality in some ways. And so a lot of people think, well, if I have one bank account, then I get the most interest in that bank account because it gets me over certain limits that might be there or thresholds for get, for bearing interest. And, um, you know, it's simple because it's one account and I won't pay any fees. And they go into all this mathematics. Um, whereas what we found, and, and we, we found it anecdotally in our financial planning practice but what we've um, since discovered is there's research around this where it says that those who have multiple bank accounts uh, with different purposes behind those bank accounts are more financially successful than those who have one single bank account and that's exactly what we found. Okay so uh, so even though you might pay a little more in bank fees having extra bank accounts may actually be uh, to your benefit. That's right I mean the discipline and the structure of that is very very helpful for us in managing our finances and just understanding what's the purpose behind each bank account means that we can uh, be a little bit more intentional about how we use the money in our accounts. Uh, What about the bank's attitude to all of that? I mean, do they want people to uh, have a useful, uh, strategic way of using their bank accounts? Is there there any sort of conspiracy against families or are the (laughs) banks actually trying to help us? Well, on the whole, I think um, the banks are actually uh, trying to help us, um, which is a strange thing for me to say sometimes. I, I actually, I'm not against banks, but I think sometimes uh, we can be manipulated in, in some ways by them. But the um, uh, the banks don't seem to be against that at all, and they, they actually seem to be quite helpful with some of the online banking options we now have, which are low fees, if, if any fees, and um, the high interest on these online bank accounts. So um, they actually do help us. Um, they also help us with um, some offset accounts where mathematics does come back into it. Um, but, yeah, the offset accounts on mortgages and things like that can be quite helpful. And the typical family, I mean, every family is different and uh, some families are running uh, business and all sorts of uh, different uh, uh, different uh, dimensions to what they do. But is there an ideal family banking system that you uh, that you like to promote? Yeah, for those people in business, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, Neil, because I think it's something that um, uh, is a problem for a lot of people in small business is that they mix their small business banking and their business banking with their home banking. And again, they think they're getting an advantage with mathematics. They, they think by putting 
um, GST funds are side into against a mortgage or something like that is helpful. But it, it actually proves not to be. Um, and the, the, the little wins they get in tend to be only a few dollars a year, whereas uh, what it does is it actually messes up their banking quite a lot. And they never really know where they're at. And I think the Bible actually tells us that we should um, know where we're at at any one stage. You know, it says that we should know the state of our flocks. And in today's terms, our flocks is our finances, because that's exactly what it was back then. Okay, so keeping uh, any business transactions separate from your personal family transactions is an advantage. When does all of this uh, begin uh, and give us the most benefit? I'm just reflecting on uh, a long time ago when I first got married and, uh, and my wife and I, we started a joint bank account. And uh, our finances all went into one. But but I've appreciated over the years that somehow or other, when uh, when young couples marry, they don't actually do that so much anymore, and they've got separate bank accounts. Uh, how do you how do you uh, uh, give reflect uh, some wisdom on that for for people with uh, with all sorts of different varieties of ways that they do their bank accounts? Yeah, it's interesting, and I, I think um, you know each family is different. You're quite right with this, but what I found that works very, very well over the years is that if you're going to get married, you bring your banking together. Gosh, you you you're married in you bringing your, your yourselves together, and the two shall become one in so many ways. Um, why not with your finances? And I think um, just beforehand we, we heard some people talking about on the show um, the fact that um, you know you, sh- you shouldn't have anything hidden from your, your spouse, and I think that. Um, that's that's a good thing. The only exception I'd say with that, so I believe in um, joint bank accounts um, and a number of them, but I do believe also in one individual account each. Um, now, we can talk a little bit more through that, but I believe that a certain amount of money should be put into that individual bank account every week or fortnight or pay period, and then that, that money can be spent freely without the other um, person, in the, the other um, partner, um, understanding or knowing what's been going on in that. So the amount that goes in there is known, but what is spent on is not known. And I think that that just gives some spontaneity and some freedom within the marriage. Is that a uh, a personal privacy thing? Uh, some people might say, uh, you know, we should know about every cent that our spouse spends. Uh, you're saying that there's a little bit of, uh, it gives you a certain level of freedom as an individual if you feel as though uh, that's money that you can spend on on personal items. That's right. I think because the amount that's going into that account has been agreed upon by the couple. Um, so we know that that's money that's going to be spent on something. And I think then the freedom to be able to spend that, um, for example, and it's my 25th wedding anniversary today, if I wanted to go and buy my wife a gift, um, I could buy it out of that account and she wouldn't know that I've bought it. So the surprise wouldn't be spoiled by her looking into the bank accounts before I actually get to deliver the gift. So it's not just about um, having some freedom for my own um, spending, but it may be also an opportunity to be able to um, give surprises and, and do some nice things with that money. So it has a variety of good uses, and I think that freedom is quite nice. And But there's no saying that she won't go rummaging through your bank statements and find out exactly <laughs> how much you did spend on that ring. <laughs> That's right. So are you serious? It is, is it your wedding anniversary today, or was that just an illustration? No, no, it is my 25th wedding anniversary today. Well, uh, let me quite... just say congratulations. Uh, silver anniversary and uh, and the fact that it's falling right in the middle of marriage week and as we get to talk about bank accounts and as you even say, you know, part of being one flesh, 
uh, even can include the way that you actually do your banking together. And uh, so mm. congratulations from uh, from all of our listeners all around Australia. Just wonderful news to hear of a 25th wedding anniversary. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, thank you. I just, it's very apt, isn't it, this week? But uh, I was... I was having a smile to myself about that just earlier on, yeah. Yes. Well, 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation today. We'll do a conversation about more than just bank accounts, but you might have your own reflection on how banking has worked for you in your marriage and family situation. 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Anne in Labrador. Hello, Anne. Welcome along. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, Anne. Thank you for your program and stuff, but my main aim is that if you tie and do, and then also put some money towards the um, some other thing as well, that, that then the Lord will uh, look after you in all sorts of ways. Um, but bank cards, I do not do bank cards because they can be a trap. Unless you really have to have one, you have to pay off you know, when you use it, because you don't know sometimes how much money that you have used and put on there. So I think cash is the best way to go, and if you can't afford it, then just um, put a cash away somewhere and, and pay it when you, when you can. I think yeah. we're getting into the art of mind over money here. Uh, your mm. thoughts for Anne, Darren? Yeah, I think Anne's onto something here. I'm, I'm totally with her. I, um, credit cards is not part of the banking structure that I recommend. In fact, uh, one of the things that we did in our, our financial planning practice um, all the time was help people get off credit cards and get off that dependency. Um, uh, the point system has been uh, refuted as a scam, um, and so that's not an excuse. Um, a lot of people say that they pay off their, their credit cards every month. Um, the, the evidence is they don't. And the other interesting thing is that Dun and Bradstreet have done research on this, and they said that um, people with a credit card spend between 12 and 18 percent more than those who don't have a credit card. So I'm with you, Anne. I think cash is a great thing. Um, I also agree with you that the tithing and giving is something that we should do. Um, it's uh, it's a practical way in which we can show our faith and love for God. So good on you, Anne. I have, what I have is from the post office. It can be used um, like a credit card. Uh, in some ways, um, it's called a load and go card, and it is mm. a Visa card, and you put money on it, so you can mm. pay stuff in that often on, like online, or even I do it when I um, sponsor Vision Radio. When I, when I, you know, when they have a, a radio call, I've done mm. use that. And I think you're talking about what is equivalent to a debit card. Is that uh, is yeah, that something equivalent to a debit card? But it's also a v, It's got Visa Visa on it. Mm. Yeah. Darren, your thoughts for, for that style of card? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, they are actually great. Um, I use Visa Debit, so I, um, I, I'm a big fan of the debit card. Um, and I think that for buying online and for um, other transactions, it's certainly very helpful. Um, you know, we do live in a modern world and cash is not always practical. Um, as much as it's, it's kind of psychologically cash is the best um, tool we can use for money, um, money management, but um, where we need to use a card, a Visa debit card, uh, well, that kind of um, debit card, MasterCard debit, um, is, is a good thing. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. 
Darren Lordenback is our guest. We're talking about demystifying personal finances, the art of mind over money in Darren's new book, God's Money Matters, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, you might have a question or a scenario that you'd like to run by Darren. Uh, Darren, we'll move off uh, these bank accounts in just a short while, but before we do... Uh, the types of bank accounts that you might set up for your marriage and for your family finances, uh, they can be quite sophisticated, but uh, but how would you structure those bank accounts to get maximum benefit from them? Yes, Neil, I think the thing, the overall um, focus should be where we have lumpy bills or we might have high expenses in a particular area, that that's not a bad area to put a separate bank account. So I'll give you some examples that I use. Um, I believe in having an emergency fund. I think that um, it's reasonable for us to expect that there might be an emergency coming to our life at some stage. We won't know what they are, but um, you know, hence the, whole, the idea of an emergency. It's a bit of a surprise. And so uh, it's something that can't be necessarily budgeted for. But if we can put some funds away, then that, um, that keeps us a little bit safer. Um, and so we recommend normally about three months' worth of expenses, so the family expenses, about three months' worth of that, in that account, and that can just sit into a, a mortgage offset account if people have mortgage. Um, that's where we do, do use the mathematics, um, and, it, and it's an advantage. Um, another fund that I, I like is a holiday fund. It's it's, it's good for um, us to take a holiday at times, and it's you know, those wonderful times spent with family. Um, I think uh, when I was growing up as a child, those most memorable times were holidays, holiday times. And so uh, we have a holiday fund. We have a, a car fund, a car fund that um, deals with tyres, registration, insurance. So we just put a little bit of money away into that every week. And at some stage, we may want to upgrade our car. And so some funds go into that account for that purpose. Um, if there's any home uh, maintenance or renovations. And then we have another one, uh, which is investments and extra giving. And does it make it easier, do you think, when you've got all of those different uh, offset accounts uh, to actually keep your budget to the forefront of your thinking? Because when we're talking about the art of mind over money, if you actually know where the budget's uh, calculations that you made when you were doing up your budget, you know, sitting down uh, or going away for a weekend and saying, we've got to get our finances in order. Uh, so you come up with a, a budget and you find out usually that sometimes you're spending more than you're actually earning and all of those sorts of fun things. But when you're actually setting it all out, does these uh, these offset account ideas, do they actually help it make, make it easier to actually function with your budget? It certainly does, Neil. And, and what it means is that you know where you're spending money from. I, I might give you an example. Um, when the Philippines had um, some, then uh, this is very relevant at the moment, had um, cyclones or, and storms go through um, a number of years ago, I, um, my wife and I were both at work and so I just sent her a quick email saying, hey honey, I think we should um, give some money to these, the, you know, this, this hurricane appeal um, that Compassion had for, uh, for, the, for the kids and we had a child near that area and so that was particularly on our heart. And my wife said, wrote back and said, yep, I think we should. And then I wrote back, um, and then she wrote back, oh, how much do you think? And I, I, I wrote an amount, and she agreed that that was the, the, the amount that we, we should put away or we should, we should send off. And then the very wise question came next, from which account? Mm. <laughs> and uh, the good thing is we, we, you know, we had some money in our holiday account, we had some money in our car account, and um, I said, well, we don't need a holiday at the moment and we don't need to upgrade our car at the moment, um, so we can use one of those accounts. And so it... it 
it was very easy for us to make that decision. We knew the sacrifice we were making, if you like. We were sacrificing, you know, maybe a little bit of holiday or a little bit of car. Um, and so we could we could um, weigh up those choices and weigh up that decision and know that we weren't going to then leave our, ourselves in a situation that was financially unwise by making that um that contribution. Uh, so what you're saying is that when an emergency comes, if you've got a savings that's happening in those different accounts, it's not wrong to be able to take from those, but you actually recognise what you are sacrificing when you use that money to uh, to uh, to uh, be part of another contingency and if there's an emergency or something. Exactly right. And so it makes it very clear um, about where, you know, what that money's been used for. And it doesn't then get you into trouble with some other bills. Like a lot of people have um, lovely, beautiful, soft hearts for giving. And I think, you know, it is better to give than receive. And so we want to give and give. But then if we give to the point where we get um, uh, giving what I would call possibly unwisely, um, then we can actually end up in a situation where we've given away um, some central money that we owe for other people. Um, or, you know, and it may, the other people may be uh, bills, um, electricity companies and, and the like. And then we end up being, you know, the ones in need um, or the ones who are financially in trouble. And I don't think that's wise. And I think God gives us, um, you know, a brain to use and, and this is one way that we can use it. Darren, I've got a caller who left a message with a question. Mm. And uh, just to encourage uh, listeners, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, you might have a question or an insight into the art of mind over money and demystifying personal finances. Uh, But John from WA calls, left a message, said, is there a point in life, and he's talking about older people, when people who have not been financially smart in savings in the past where the advice we're talking about today is not relevant. In other words, is there a point where you get old enough where you say, oh, all that stuff about budgeting doesn't matter anymore? I I suspect that's what John's saying. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, if we go to the higher principle, we're going to be held to account for our lives. You know, When we face Jesus one day, we will be held to account for our lives. And I can't help but think that that has to be part of our financial life will be part of that. And if we don't know where we're spending our money, and we don't know, well, God's money, let's, let's be real. But if we don't know where we're spending the finances he's entrusted to us, then we're not really being good stewards. And so, um, therefore, I think it applies to everybody all the time. Um, now, I don't think we have to account for every single cent. I think that's going a bit too far. But I certainly think we have to um, be able to give account for the majority of our spending. The other thing... Is you know, there's never. I don't think there's ever a bad time to to set set um, a plan in place for where we're going to spend the money that God's entrusted to us. Okay, so uh, you're never too old to actually enact these principles because it's all about stewardship, and mm. stewardship lasts our whole life, uh, right up until the d- the day we draw our last breath. So, uh, so still important for older listeners today to be thinking about these uh, issues of stewardship and money. Let's uh, broach another topic here. And uh, we can still continue to talk about that uh, if listeners want to talk about these things, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. But let's talk about debt because somehow or other uh, we need to have our debts in context. And uh, debts uh, for some is, uh, you know, is, is a nightmare. For others, it's a useful thing. How does the art of mind over money apply to issues of debt, Darren? Yeah, debt in the Bible is talked about a lot, and it's particularly in Proverbs. And uh, it does say we should run from debt like a gazelle runs from a hunter. Um, and I, 
you know, you, you that that's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. and, and it says, get you know, my, my at one point it Solomon says, get my son, get you know, get if you've struck struck your hand in a in in a debt, effectively, um, go and get that cleared up as soon as you can. Get out of it. You know, you 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 put yourself in a bondage, and uh, you know, um, it is that, isn't it? Really, I mean, the, the people talk about good debt and bad debt, and I don't think there's such a thing as good debt. I think there's debt that can be utilised. Um, more effectively and, and more wisely than other debt. Um, credit card and consumer debt, I think, is incredibly unwise and um, in some ways could be a lack of trust in God's provision. Um, I think there's other debt that can be, uh, if it's well managed, um, can actually be utilised for you know businesses and for investments. But I think uh, it needs to be much more conservative than what our culture is teaching us at the moment. Okay, Darren Lordenbach's our guest. Let's take another call, Darren. Misha is in Brisbane in Queensland. Hello, Misha. Welcome along. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Very well. What are your thoughts, Misha? Well, I got an inheritance from my dad and I don't know whether to buy a unit or stay with uh, where I am and that in an apartment and that I sort of pay low uh, rent and that and I don't know whether to buy an apartment and um, haven't been. I'm not married, and I'm just. I've been praying and getting people to pray for me to get a husband. I don't know when to wait and keep the money until I get married or buy an apartment. Okay. Well, uh, some thoughts from Darren. Yeah, I think, uh, Misha. Thanks for the call, and I think the, uh, the it's a bigger question than probably what I can answer without knowing your full personal situation. The, um, buying property is not a bad thing. I would suggest that um, units don't necessarily go up in value over the long term because they don't have a land component and they can cost you a bit of money with um, body corporates and other things. So if you're looking at buying property, I would I'd highly recommend you look at um, you know, a, a small home or a, um, uh, some kind of townhouse or something where it has some land component to the, to the actual property and has low body corporate fees. But I think... Um, it's probably wise, uh, given you've got a re- received an inheritance, to go and see a, a qualified financial planner in your area. And possibly your friends could recommend one that they know and um, get some proper advice. At last hour, Darren, we were talking about uh, issues to do with debt. And as we tie some loose ends together on the issue of debt, uh, if we're talking about... Uh, what kind of debt is reasonable? Now, just keeping in context that you were saying that, uh, you know, you can get some biblical proverbs that say, uh, run from debt like a gazelle runs from a hunter, uh, mm. which is run pretty hard. But yeah. uh, in most people's lives, uh, we're going to be having some level of debt. So what's a reasonable level? Yeah, a reasonable level is that which doesn't take us away from um, or, or strangle us and take us away from some of uh, the things our family um, needs us to do and God needs us to do. So, for example, um, a good test is if um, God um, called us into ministry, would debt be the thing that stopped us from being able to um, take on that ministry? Would that be the thing that where we said, oh, no, we don't earn enough income or we can't pay off our debt or we don't have enough equity uh, or ownership so that we could actually make some changes and adjustments? Okay, I can hear you've got your little dog in the background there, but don't yeah, worry, we're not too distracted. <laughs> um, so what you're saying is, if you are serving God, and uh, there is a desire in the hearts of Christian believers uh, to serve God with our whole heart, if you're saying if your debt is keeping you from serving God, 
in a capacity that will make a difference in the kingdom, then you've got too much debt. Is that what you're saying? That's right, and, and that's where you've got to be very careful about how much debt you get into. See, it's very easy to get into debt these days, but it's not very easy to get out of it. And so it's a matter of how do we, how do we handle that? How do we, how do we get to a point where we you know, hopefully would own more than we owe at any one time, or that we have provisions in place to make sure that we're managing it as well as we can? And that's, that's um, so therefore, for example, if we take on debt, that we have appropriate backup plan um, you know, where we can make sure that we um, uh, can cover those debts at any one time. For example, if we get sick or disabled, you know, how, how are we going to be able to pay those debts still? And so we just have to have a, a wise plan. As I say, it's very easy to get into debt these days, not so easy to get out of it. So we just have to be a bit smart. A little sideline that comes up when you start to talk about these sorts of things because I know that there'd be uh, some who might be listening to the conversation saying, well, I'm not really serving God in ministry the way that the pastor at my church does. Uh, I'm not in ministry. I'm not really doing that. So really what you talk about uh, with keeping that debt in context and being able to serve God and being free to do that maybe doesn't apply to me. But but there is a sense, isn't there, that it's God's mission that we all serve and we have a choice to actually be a part of God's mission and it comes down to a personal responsibility that we might take. So, uh, so we can serve in all sorts of different ways. In some ways, we're serving with uh, with some financial support for those who might be doing some other things. So we are all a part of it. So money's a big part of of how we serve God, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It certainly, and we can certainly serve God with our money, without with those resources. You know, um, I, th- I think John Wesley was a really wise guy when it comes to money. And even though he lived a long time ago, he he really did live and a great example on this. And his three principles on money was to gain all you can, so work hard and be smart and use the talents and gifts God's given you to be able to earn what you can. That you might then, number two, save all you can. That then, number three, for the purposes of giving all you can. And he ended up giving away about 97% of everything he earned. Okay, there's a big challenge in that for us, and that's what true leadership is uh, when people go before and they actually make those personal sacrifices financially uh, to actually make those things happen. But uh, for people, though, who are uh, in the in the earning or in business or, you know, you're an employee and, and you're looking towards retirement and uh, you've got all sorts of things that you're juggling, it's like juggling a whole lot of balls. Uh, what am I going to do with these perhaps sometimes limited dollars that are coming in, uh, then actually putting some money aside or planning as part of the budget to be a part of serving God isn't in some people's thinking. So how do you actually make that adjustment? Is this one of those things where you've got this mind over money type idea? Yeah. Well, I think the number one thing is we need to understand the concept of stewardship and the fact that all our money is God's. Like God is the provider. Our, Our employer may be the facilitator of our paycheck, but God is our provider. Um, and, he provides it all, he owns it all, and therefore we're, we're just stewards. And if we think about stewardship as far as um, in old England and how that worked, basically the king would have a steward who would, um, who would look after all his wealth, distributed in what, what, one way or another, um, would collect money in, pay money out, um, would manage that wealth um, for the, on behalf of the king. Now, the steward didn't own any of it. They did benefit from some of it, so they got paid for their, their work and they did enjoy some of the benefits of that 
that wealth, but they did not own it, and they were stewards of that money. And I think that's a very good concept for us to get. So if we get that first in our mind, and we understand that it's all God, then everything flows better from there um, in our thinking. Now, let's have a quick uh, talk about what you have as a 30-day spending challenge. And I imagine that all of these different elements of what we do as Christian believers with finances comes to uh, the fore when you're actually doing something that is uh, defined and uh, and putting together a 30-day spending challenge. How does that work that you do? Yeah, the, the, the reason the 30-day spending challenge came about is as a financial planner, I'd sit down with my clients and try to work out a budget. And um, without exception, nearly, they'd come up with a, a large surplus in their budget. And if you know, they might have ten or $15,000 a year or something like that, or maybe more, um, where they'd have this surplus in their budget. And I'd say, well, where's that money? And they'd say, well, we don't know. Because surely it should have accumulated in a bank account or been paid off a mortgage or something. There should have been some account for it. And they said, well, we don't know where that money is. And so the 30-day spending challenge was um, kind of created from that to say, well, we actually need to know the truth about our money. And the only way we can really know the truth is to to record all our spending as we spend it. And then we can understand um, at the end of 30 days, we can look back and we can say, okay, where are we actually spending our money? What is our money habits? And then we can start to um, make adjustments and uh, make decisions around that. So that's where the the challenge came from. Okay, so that's part of the art of mind over money. You have to know where the money's going or you haven't got a hope of having your mind over money, have you? Well, that's right. We can put in place wonderful investment um, opportunities. We could um, be, be having all this intention to give all this money away or do these wonderful things. And yet, um, if we don't know where we're spending our money, it's just a pipe dream or it's going to be something that's actually going to collapse and fall apart. Um, and if we're overspending, which a lot of people were doing once we found that the, the spending challenge had been completed, people were spending more than they're earning, then the only place that they can spend more than they earn is by using debt. And debt erodes our wealth. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now you actually have as a part of uh, some resource available to people a very, very small and I'm sure inexpensive uh, booklet called the 30-Day Spending Challenge. So uh, how does it actually work? How do you do it? Just in a nutshell, uh, what would you do if you had this? And, and you, could, you, you could even do this at home without your booklet, but, but how, do you, how do you do it? Yeah, so just a small notepad um, that people could grab from the news agency. The reason we use a notepad and we don't do it electronically is because most people carry their phone around them every day, with them every day. And so when they're spending, they're not necessarily reminded to record that spending. So the idea behind the spending diary was that it's, it's kind of annoyance in your pocket. <laughs> um, you'll remember it's there. And then when you're making um, spending decisions, you can either keep the receipts so you can record it there later on or you can record it as you're going. So it's just a little diary that's um, just... The intention is to record the spending um, over a 30-day period uh, for all spending that happens. Now, um, obviously, a lot of your people's spending these days can be recorded through bank accounts, so we can go back through a bank account statement and pick up on that. Um, so the diary is really designed to um, pick up on cash spending um, for, for those people who are using cash. So if, if people are using a um, uh, the online um, you know, debit cards and things like that, clearly their spending will be um, uh, noted down in their statements and they can go back and review that. Darren, let's pause and take another call. Ian is in Leeton. Hello, Ian. Welcome along. Hi there. How are you? Very well, Ian. What are your thoughts? Oh, I, I agree totally with, with the, uh, the concept of 
of tithing and uh, and recording. Uh, but uh, back to uh, the model banking models, uh, I actually got out of that banking model because of the the, the complexity of of trying to keep a track on so many different accounts. Um, I, my, my, the model, you know, I think you, you, you've got to have a basics of that you, you spend less than you earn. And, that, mm-hmm. that's, and you, have to, you have to, if you don't record, you don't real, you don't, you're not aware of, of your spending and your earnings. So if you, you've got some sort of track of, of your, what you earn uh, compared to what you, you, um, you spend is, is, a, is odd in, mandatory as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Ian, good thoughts. Let's get a response yeah. from Darren. Yeah, I agree with you, Ian, on those last comments about um, making sure that you're, you've got a margin, as I'd call it. Um, without a margin, there's no mission, they say, in our time and as well as our money. Um, so definitely we need to be spending less than we earn and doing something with a difference, um, something wise. I think uh, the, the bank account structure, the reason why it works for me um, is that I've renamed all my accounts. I've um, my bank allows me to name my accounts, and so I can actually um, designate them with emergency fund, holiday account, car account, um, giving account, and so it makes it very clear for me. Um, so that's something that um, you know, if a bank, if your bank doesn't allow that, then uh, I'd suggest changing banks. <laughs> okay, Ian, thank you so much for your call. I imagine it's uh, it's a little easier to do things electronically because uh, before. Uh, the electronic banking, you probably had to work with a spreadsheet for all those accounts and you just about had to have a degree in accounting to be able to make that work, Darren. Mm. And, and and the time and effort it took, Neil, to manage money that way, um, people just don't have that time today. And when it takes that type of time and effort, people give up on it very easily. Um, again, so this is the whole idea behind mind over money is to have what I call mechanical disciplines in place. So have money transferred into bank accounts that, that um, kind of assure our budget's going to actually work. So we have all these automatic things happening for us. Once we've set up our plan, we then set everything into automation so that we don't have this um, requirement of discipline all the time. And if the bank is helping you get those things sorted, uh, then you should take advantage of that new technology. Uh, mm. Thank you so much to Ian from Leeton. Uh, we're running short of time. I wanted to ask you about uh, issues to do with share markets. Mm. Because uh, coming to the latter part of the year, uh, oftentimes, and people might be able to identify uh, when uh, share markets often have a crash. Uh, but you've got some thoughts in your new book called God's Money Matters of how the attitudes of Christian believers go. And particularly when we're talking about this issue of the art of mind over money, of how you deal with the ups and downs in the share market. What are your thoughts uh, for listeners who might have shares? Yeah, I think the, the fundamental thing, Neil, is people forget why why we should be buying shares. And we buy shares, I, I believe, the main reason we should be buying shares is for long-term passive income. And they're a very good source of that. So long-term income that we don't actually have to go out there and earn. So when we're buying a share on the share market, we're buying a share of a company, a much larger companies, and that company generates income. And particularly in Australia, this is very advantageous. For us. And so if we're buying for income and we're focused on the income, not the capital value of the share, then it's much less emotional ride when things change, like the market goes down. The, 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 the saying that I have is this, we should be buying our shares monthly if we can. So we should be setting aside money on a monthly basis and buying them every month if we can. And when the share market goes down, we buy more. Okay.
So, uh, so when the share prices lower, that's the time to be investing in those shares. I imagine you've still got to look at the fundamental uh, basics of mm. the the viability of the company you're investing in, but uh, that's yes. a, that's a part of a research, isn't it? That's right. So um, either do that or, or just buy index funds. And so don't worry about um, just buy where you get 200 of the top Australian shares. Just buy the index fund. It just covers the whole index and you're not having to do research on individual shares or do the research for sure. But when the market goes down, that should be an opportunity to buy. And when the market goes up, that's just an opportunity just to sit there and, and watch it go up. Alternatively, if you've got the funds, continue to, to accumulate. Because every time we buy a share, we're buying a small portion of passive income. And, and so many people watch the share price, and that's not important. Um, not really, I, not, not over the short term. What's important is long-term passive income, and sh- the share market is one of the best sources for that. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour, Darren Laudenbach, who is founder of God's Money Matters. And his new book is called God's Money Matters, Biblical Keys to Financial Freedom and the Art of Mind Over Money. Uh, Darren, uh, just in these last few minutes uh, for our conversation, let's come back to your book because in some sense this is a labor of love uh, Mm. that you have done to create uh, a book that contains really practical, down-to-earth wisdom on a, a Christian, biblical way of looking at money. Uh, the inspiration, of course, uh, for this is so that people can get a hold of these uh, very important principles and at an inexpensive price. Yeah, that's the idea, Neil. And the idea was to share it with our faith community, um, try to uh, give a different view to what the culture gives, try to give um, God's view in a modern context about how we use our money. And I'm a very rubber-hits-the-road kind of person, so it's not a very long book, as you've noticed, and it's um, it's very practical. It's really down-to-earth about what we should do. So it, it does give the principles um, that I believe from the Bible and the verses from the Bible that are the guiding light, and then it says, well, what do we do about it today? And uh, in the book, you've got uh, budgets, forms, and all sorts of things that just help uh, for individuals and for families to get their finance- finances on track. That's right, and there's a whole bunch of links within the book to take, take people to the website to, um, that will help them uh, for free um, access some of these tools um, electronically, and so um, that way they can use them year after year. They don't have to write in the book necessarily, um, and they can use the tools that are uh, the electronic calculators and, and the like, and there's, there's a bunch of um, other resources there that are for free. And I just have opened up at page 24. It's going to be a worry here, Darren. Uh, There's a homework page. Uh, You're saying to people, uh, this is where you get to actually interact with your own thoughts as you're reading through this material. Uh, You want people to write down some some issues, the situation and the the why. And uh, so you're helping people to think through their own financial issues. Yeah, I think it's very important that, um, you know, one of the strange concepts that people um, look at me, well, they look at me strangely when I say, have you prayed over your budget? Um, you know, have you thought about whether God's involved in your, your money decisions? Um, you know, have you got a God-honoring um, money spending system? You know, so this is just to try to um, engage people's minds, um, not in a difficult way. None of it's very hard. Um, I'm a pretty simple kind of guy, so it can't be that hard. Uh, and it's just a matter of um, you know, helping it be personalised for, for people. And, and you know, it, it is a personal thing before God, how we manage his resources. And so um, that's what I try to help people with. 
And interestingly, you can wander down the aisle of a mainstream secular bookstore and you can find all sorts of books about money. But on this program, as we've uh, talked about in past times, the idea of having God's wisdom on money is an incredible blessing because, and it's not just for some people who just think, oh, we're going to be talking about tithing. Uh, but the idea of having a, a a Christian biblical attitude to money actually is an invitation for God's blessing. How do you describe that to people uh, when they're sort of saying, oh, all, all the church wants is my money, and uh, that's what you're going to be talking about is tithing? I know that's a big question, but in a nutshell, what are your thoughts for people about God's blessing on you? Yeah, it's interesting. When we start to line up um, God's will for us in our lives, in in all aspects of our life, um, we're blessed in wonderful ways, and I think um, this is just one other way. I mean, God knows that... Um, God didn't create the money man-money system. He didn't swap time for money and stuff like that. He's, his providence is much... It works in multiplication. It doesn't work in, in increments. So he, he doesn't work in this kind of system, but he, also, he does bless people who work within the money system that we have. And, and if, when we get this right, um, it gives us freedom. You know, it's 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 really important. I mean, John Wensley again said the five, four things that we should think about when it comes to money is we should provide for our family, we should be number two content, we should owe no man anything, and we should do good to all people, especially believers. And so that's if we get that right, there's a freedom around that, there's a lightness around that, there's a joy around that. Whereas a lot of people, their finances always seem to be a burden, and I think it can be a freedom thing. And you've just given a wonderful description of what it looks like for a Christian uh, to be managing their finances. Uh, some wonderful stuff in there. I want to point people to where they can get a hold of your new book. Uh, there is a website, godsmoneymatters.com, but if you're used to buying books on Amazon, simply go to Amazon and type in a search engine God's Money Matters, and you'll come up with Darren Laudenbach's book. He is the founder of God's Money Matters. It is his brand new book. And uh, just a, a quick mention one more time for uh, the uh, the proceeds from this book, Darren, going to uh, one of your favorite charities, and that being Compassion. Yeah, it is. So um, I, I just felt compelled to, that um, one of my heart's desires is that this book would be um, uh, would would go to those in the faith community. They would get um, financially free and equipped to be able to run their finances better. And at the same time, that uh, we'd be able to just be able to give a lot more to um, compassion and um, you know beyond what I could imagine. And that's my that's my dream that would uh, this that would happen. That we'd be able to give um, a, a, an amazing amount of money through to compassion um, uh, through things like this book. Yeah. Uh, the book's called God's Money Matters, Biblical Keys to Financial Freedom and the Art of Mind Over Money. And that website, godsmoneymatters.com, and uh, you can get a hold of the book through Amazon. Darren, just great catching up once again, and we'll do this again another day sometime soon. But thank you so much for being with us on 2020. Yeah, thanks again, Neil. Appreciate it. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.